Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome back to Nightmare on Film Street, the horror movie podcast for the casually obsessed. I'm John. I'm Kim. And today we are closing out our Fright Before Christmas double feature with Alex de la Iglesia's The Day of the Beast. Spanish horror fans will likely remember... Recognize Iglesia from Witchin' and Bitchin', which came out early 2000s. We need to get that film on the podcast. If you haven't seen Witchin' and Bitchin', it is a fucking ride. It's great. It's a a bunch of bank robbers who wind up in a a den with a bunch of witches. Uh, Hijinks abound. Hijinks abound, yeah. He also directed The Bar, which is really fun. That's a newer one, and that one's less horror, but it's definitely really gory, comedy, dark action sort action yeah there's a sniper who's got a whole (laughs) bunch of people pinned down at a bar and if anybody leaves they die is kind of the idea super fun super over the top and you can really see it in the day of the beast this obviously came before both of those movies and you can see the footprints of both of them in here yeah absolutely and this was a first time watch for me i did not have this film on my radar i thought that i had tapped all of the horror christmas movies christmas related horror movies but i had not For anybody unfamiliar with The Day of the Beast, it is a a horror comedy that is really the satanic nativity scene, right? Is that the best way to describe it? The Antichrist is- I'm not getting an image here. (laughs) The Antichrist is coming back. The the apocalypse is about to happen on Christmas Eve, and we've got three not-so-wise men that have to try and stop the, uh, the devil from taking over the world. Okay, you really proved your point just there. Good work. Yeah, but- As true as that is, we are only going by the account of one person who is trying to prove this to everybody in the movie through math and algorithms and cryptograms and deciphering code between the text. So the entire movie, you're not quite sure whether you believe him or if you do, and you're following along on on his crazy journey, but... It remains to be seen if it actually truly is the day of the beast. I was I was going to say that, you know, we do see the devil at some point, but this is well after all three characters in the movie have dropped acid. So. All of the characters are on drugs, John. <laughs> so there's also that. But I mean, hey, drugs are just the gateway to open you up to be able to see that kind of stuff. Is what people who are on drugs say who are trying to convince you the stuff they're seeing is real. Look, Kim, it's not peer pressure. It's just your turn. I need you to take this tab of acid with me. It's Christmas. How else are we supposed to celebrate? Eggnog and acid. <laughs> <laughs> so as the person who uh, is seeing the movie for the first time uh talking to anybody out there who has not yet seen the movie can you give me three good things about the day of the beast 
number one, maybe not necessarily a necessity, but always sweetens it when it happens. Heavy metal with your Satan. Right, you gotta. You you don't gotta, but when you do, it is the cherry on the Sunday. I love a heavy metal horror that's got me some devil worship. There's a few of them, but there's never enough. And this one nails it because we have such a funny, lovable character named Jose, who's a metalhead, and he's helping our priest, even though he knows he's a priest because he thinks he's cool. I mean, if I ran a record shop, especially a heavy metal record And a priest shop, came in and was like, give me your heaviest. Yeah, g- well, gave him a list of, like, really heavy bands. And he's like, god damn, you're way cooler than I thought you were. Here, this one's on the fucking house. Uh, what's your number two? Number two, Goaty Goodness. Uh, there are... Also not a, gu- not a guarantee, but always appreciated <laughs> in your Satanist movie. Exactly. You want a black goat, you get a black goat. And you get more. You get more than just a black goat. You get some real horned, devilly lovely. And whether or not it's real is uh, it's the eye of the beholder stuff, right? Right. <laughs> For sure. And uh, number three, I'm going to go with a fraud magician. One of the three wise men, as John mentioned, is a TV psychic. Think of your Chris Angel type. Right, he's, exactly. He's offering and promising a lot in terms of the future and reading minds and predicting. He's got books. He's got merchandise. It's a little bit of a sham, and our preacher goes to him for uh, spells and hexes and selling his soul to the the devil, and it turns out to not be real. Or does it? Those are three good things about the Day of the Beast. Uh, It's also just fucking hilarious. Like It is so goofy. It is full of great gags and great camera shots like it's 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 always hard on the podcast to be like the fucking cinematography in this movie is great but like holy shit does it has it has some great trick cinematography in it uh and we highly encourage you check it out it is perfect for your halloween it is perfect for your holiday horror watch list especially if you're looking for something a little off the beaten path and a surprisingly good pairing with our last movie maniac cop 2 that even though this one is definitely Uh, a little bit more supernatural and zany, whereas Maniac Cop 2 is serious. We also have a full-body burn. Fuck yeah, we do. We have a lot of neon cool lighting. Uh, Some Christmas songs that are turned into creepy rendition, especially Silent Night. Silent Night gets used a lot in this movie, and every time it's kind of, kind of, like, haunting. Like, you don't, you don't notice that it's a Christmas song right away. It just sounds like spooky atmospheric shit. Mm -hmm. And they're both really metropolitan. We're gonna get into full detail on The Day of the Beast right after the trailer. Are you going to be able to find an English language trailer? Oh, probably not. (laughs) Not at all. The Day of the Beast from 1995 is currently sitting at a 7.3 out of 10 on IMDb, 77% on Rotten Tomatoes, and 3.7 out of 5 on Letterboxd. 
My favorite overall thing about this movie, what sold me most was just the personality of it. It's such a zany movie with arguably dark subject matter, but the whole thing feels just like a night of misadventure. Oh, sure. And there are so many wonderful characters in it. But even the same as with Maniac Cop 2, the side characters are wonderful. And I'm just talking about like the boarding house with the metalhead's mom and Mina, the the lady employee, and Grandpa, who's a who just likes to be naked. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if if Grandpa enjoyed walking around naked before his grandson started feeding him tabs of acid every single day, or if that just uh, developed naturally after becoming an acid freak. But yes, the characters in this movie are so much fun. The camera could just like decide to follow a different person for the next 20 minutes and, and you'd, you'd be, be fine with it. Yeah. yeah, you'd be totally fine with it. It's so much fun. One of my favorite characters of the whole movie is the magician Kavan's girlfriend who's just showing up because they were supposed to have a Christmas Eve date and she stumbles into a kidnapping forced Satanism ritual? Can you imagine? Like, you show up at your boyfriend's place? I mean, like, first off, yeah, sure, he's kidnapped. That's gonna be scary no matter what. But also... They you, need your blood. <laughs> they need your blood. Now they need somebody else's blood because you're not a virgin. <laughs> and then also they're going to do a full satanic ritual having zero knowledge of how to pull off a satanic ritual. But so her first, like when she first shows on to the on, into the film, she falls down the stairs and she gets a gnarly head wound. And the rest of the movie, the back of her head is just blood filled, matted and caked. And <laughs> yes. she's running around trying to get away from this priest who's maybe trying to murder her. It's just fucking hilarious. This movie is the horror equivalent of Home Alone. Wow, that's a really good, that's actually a really good uh, description. If, like, the kids that are alone in the house are also the kids that are trying to break in. Like, they're their own villains. <laughs> the beginning of the movie is great because you have two priests getting together in Rome, in the Vatican, and it's real serious. It like, is so serious. Like, I was I, like, what is this movie? It's kind of like the beginning, of, not like the beginning of The Exorcist, but it's treated without any humor. I have found out through study that the apocalypse is coming. It's happening tomorrow night. No, the priest <laughs> in the movie is explaining to another priest, like a, I think like a big exorcist, like, like somebody who studies the devil. Shit's going down. Yeah, and you know, he's like, you know, okay, good. I'm glad you came to me. We got to keep this a secret. Uh, you know, everybody will think we're crazy if we try and talk about it, and we don't have enough time to get no's from the people above us. So we're just, you know, the two of us, as long as we stick together, are gonna make this out and save the world. And then bam a cross falls and kills one of them immediately that is your opening of the movie so good it's that's that's, so that's your divine uh divine influence like god stepped in and saved the one priest right uh the devil was there to, to that that's also the line too it's like we got to keep this real quiet because uh the devil may have already heard this conversation. I think that's why he says they can't get help because they don't want the de the devil has ears everywhere and he may have already heard us whispering about it and has already dispatched one of them. Which is funny because the priest goes on to go alone, but he tells everybody he meets, especially like one of my favorite moments is when he's being held for shoplifting at a bookstore and he tries to explain this to the manager at the store. Who's buying it? <laughs> Who's really, really, you don't think so? No, 
know because he, he's like yeah I totally believe you he leans out the door and he's like see if any of the mental hospitals in town have lost a priest oh that's right yeah my mistake I was buying it I guess <laughs> in that moment I'm like oh shit yeah it's Christmas Eve this is all adding up <laughs> the math makes sense he's got a chalkboard and everything like he's showing them how it works I think that uh, he is got no problems telling anybody because he already knows the devil's onto him. Like, especially the fact that the devil has just killed his priest buddy who is going to help him do all this. I guess that's true. But then why is it... So his goal, he believes that the, the Day of the Beast, the Antichrist is going to be born at some point after midnight on Christmas Eve, technically Christmas Day before dawn. Mm-hmm. And he wants to get in good with the devil by sinning a whole bunch and then um, selling his soul to the devil so that he can be wise to where the Antichrist is being born. Yeah. So I don't think that he is trying to get in good with the devil. It's that he, he needs to sell his soul to the devil to find out where the location is. He needs to get insider information yeah, from he, the man himself. Yeah, so he's trying to get that information from the devil. So he's trying to trick the devil. He is trying to trick the devil. Absolutely. But the, the reason he has to continue to sin before calling upon the devil is because he needs the devil to trust him. He needs the devil to think that he's being serious about this. Don't you think he's going to have, like, at least some kind of records? I don't know what kind of records the devil keeps, but he's just like, oh, so he's only been sinning for 24 hours? Yeah, but he's a priest and he's breaking as many po- as many sins, as many commandments as he can beforehand i don't think it matters like once he sells his soul it's not like he can like oh i have my fingers crossed i take it back like he's (laughs) he is selling his soul to the devil and he means it and later on in life when he does eventually die he will go to hell and he knows this that's what's so interesting about his character and he's he's gonna get a get out of jail free pass he's gonna try (laughs) he's definitely gonna spend the rest of his life trying but that's not a guarantee because killing the antichrist is pretty good in god's books i think it might be but um i think it's like solving a math equation. Like, unfortunately, the contract is is deep in the parentheses. <laughs> like he, you got to solve for that first before you solve for anything else. And he has already sold his soul to the devil. But it turns out that that doesn't really work because once they actually do the ritual, which is fucking fantastic when they do it, these three dunderheads standing inside, you know, a sacred pentacle circle uh, and the devil basically like snorts in their face. <laughs> yeah, he leaves a message saying this is not a game. So like, he doesn't give them the location, but he ha- they, he has definitely sold his soul to the devil at this point. He has switched teams. And the devil kind of knows that he's fucking around, uh, but he doesn't want him to find out. <laughs> um, he doesn't want him to find out where the baby is going to be born, so he doesn't give him the information. But also, they're all on acid, so you don't... I don't necessarily believe them. I was surprised when there was anything at the finale. <laughs> Kim, that's what faith is all about (laughs) you have to know that it doesn't make sense but you have to believe it you know you have to have faith that it's gonna happen Uh yeah that's the message (laughs) of the movie man i don't so you really okay so i mean it's fun that the movie is trying to stay ambiguous about whether or not this is really happening whether or not you can really believe it which i think is needed for some sort of faith-based horror thing. Like, doesn't The Exorcist kind of... Does The Exorcist kind of end with ambiguity? Because I'm pretty sure it's like, no, it's definitely a demon that has (laughs) 
thrown a person from a window down the stairs. Okay, so that movie doesn't have ambiguity, but that's what makes the Day of the Beast so great, Kim. It exists in the gray area that religion already does in the real world. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> this okay. was my point. Yeah. You're proving my point. Yeah, but... You need ambiguity to get away with it. I think they totally see the devil. Just because they drop acid doesn't mean that it's not really happening. My favorite thing about the movie, though, and I maybe I've said this a few times, one of my favorite things about the movie, though, is that he convinces his two partners in crime with very little facts and information. The metalhead is just on board just from it's the metal. get-go. Because it's metal. Because it's super metal AF. And Kavan, the magician, is convinced by seeing this goat figure in his apartment after they do the ritual. Yeah. Because he's 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 essentially been studying satanic stuff his whole career. He's and always thought it's bullshit, but now he's seeing proof that it's real. I know, but he was kidnapped through the whole ritual. He's doing it reluctantly. He's bullshitting. He's making stuff up. He's like, oh, you need the blood of a maiden, a virgin girl. Uh, you need this. You need to carve things in the floor. And then la, he laughs la, la. when they start the ritual. <laughs> and he makes it up. And then it sort of works, maybe, because but they're on drugs. And he's totally convinced. And he helps them throughout the rest of the movie. And he becomes... Um, one of the key players in them finding the Antichrist. I just love that everybody's on board for something that has definitely not been proven. <laughs> but what if they're wrong? You know, that's the th- that's the that's the wager against it all, right? Like, what if what if he's right? You know, I, I, I guess at some point. This guy's like in for a penny, in for a pound. Like, hey, they've already tortured me a little bit. I've already dropped. Like, my my Christmas Eve plans are canceled. So what does it hurt to go ahead and do this? He just seems, he, no, he seems fully invested. He sends his girlfriend home with her head wound. Oh, that was like, pretty funny. I have That's, to do this. Yeah, everything's fine. Don't worry about it. These guys aren't that crazy. I'm, I'm good. And then goes on television wields his power as a TV personality to get to to cancel the Christmas Eve programming and come on to be like the world's ending motherfuckers. Yeah, he definitely De- the devil is here. <laughs> he definitely gets his show canceled after that because the producers are like what the fuck are you doing? I think his show t- stays on TV for another 20 years. He's not on it. By the end of the show we find out that he's kind of disappeared. No one knows what happened to him, but somebody else has taken his place. Mm-hmm. I think that in I think that becomes the stuff of legends and that show is still running to this day (laughs) no doubt i love that they are a fun ragtag band though they're real great and i don't i i I think they don't necessarily know why they are following this priest i think that's part of it Mm -hmm. i think there is a celestial pull (laughs) like there's they know it's silly and they know that it would be foolish of them maybe to go ahead and, and follow through with it but something's telling them. There's a voice in the back of their head. There's like a little devil on their shoulder telling them that they should just see this to the end. Well, and the priest just has so much conviction. For a priest to have enough conviction to... To sell his soul to the devil. Well, and to commit sin. Like, yeah. for, for a priest to actively commit sin, he pushes a mime down Yo, the subway stairs. Um, I, you brought that up with no fanfare? I was going to work <laughs> toward it. I was like, perfect. We'll get, we'll, we'll, she could finish whatever the fuck she's saying, and then we'll, we'll double back and talk about the first ten minutes of this movie that are just comedic gold. Because all you know about this guy in the in the opening credits of the movie is that he is a he is a serious priest who works for the Vatican and is here to stop the devil. Cut to him 
just trouncing around Madrid being an asshole? Like, he literally <laughs> walks up to a homeless guy who's been lit on fire and is dying. He leans in real close and says, I hope you burn in hell. And then pushes a mime down the stairs onto the subway. Like, he's just doing... He steals money from a panhandler he on steals, the day before Christmas Eve. He steals a suitcase. <laughs> he steals a suitcase. He steals books. Uh, he is just walking around doing every kind of sin that he can come up with. I love when he's at the metal shop and his new buddy, Jose, gives him a tape and he's like, I can't pay for this. No, I'm not going to pay for this, is what he says. He says, I'm not going to pay for this. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, the, the Satanica band. Love it. You would think that Jose is a member of that band. He, at every opportunity, he brings up the band. Like, they're and about to do the ritual. Hey, maybe he's got a tattoo. <laughs> maybe maybe we should listen to Satanica, maybe, possibly, for the ritual. <laughs> and everybody says no. They go to a fucking club at the end of the movie called Hell to see the band Satanica. Yo, I would give anything to go to a Satanic uh, heavy metal show on, on Christmas, Christmas Eve. Eve. Yeah. That sounds so fun. I'm just going to keep tweeting about that every year from now on. And then at some point there will be, we'll be near one and somebody will at least let us know like, hey, just a short drive. You could come worship the devil on Christmas Eve. Like, <laughs> fuck yeah, I'll be there. Do you remember that one year we went to a Krampus party and we all yes. dressed up as Krampus and it was amazing. But then when we got there, it was all like techno music and everybody was dropping E and you're that like, was weird. where's the metal? It was, yeah, it's, it was billed to us as a heavy metal night. Night, it very it, beca- it essentially became the rave night. We did not know. We were there till four in the morning. It was fun. Yeah. And our costumes were dope. Yeah, they looked great. You had a lantern. I had a furry coat. <laughs> <laughs> I was goat cheek. <laughs> we were ready to summon the devil. <laughs> I think I still have those horns. We'll break them out on Christmas Eve. We already have mulled wine. Like, what, how hard is it for us to just get a cauldron? Like, we could do this. We do have cauldrons. I mean, how, they're plastic. How cool would our floor look if we carved a pentagram into it? We're not doing that. But we just put a rug over it. Chalk. No. You get no, chalk. You carve it in, you leave the rug, and then when we sell the house, whatever, the, no. the, the rug stays. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> It is weird. I guess I'm uncomfortable. I personally would love to buy a house and then discover a pentagram somewhere that somebody had carved into the floor or into the attic. Oh, but I'm man. sure other people would not appreciate it, especially here in the religious capital of Canada. One of the things I really like about the story of the movie and on the edges of the story is that the world really is kind of falling apart. Crime is on the rise. There's a group of people who are going around killing homeless people at night, setting them on fire. And they're crazy because the lead guy looks like fucking Tom Jones and he's <laughs> he's wearing like a dinner suit and he's like smoking a cigar and he's, he's the head of this gang that is like beating the fuck out of homeless people and lighting them on fire with gasoline. Uh, it feels very purge night. <laughs> yeah, totally. And and the news reports, the stuff you're seeing as the characters are walking around the street is that the world really is going to hell on Christmas Eve. Well, we go into a convenience store where a bunch of people have been murdered and people are just act like nothing happened. Right? The funny thing about that is that the TV magician, Professor Kavan, goes in to buy wine, I think, and 
is either so full of himself that he doesn't notice there are dead bodies around, or this has been happening enough that he gives zero shits and he just doesn't want to be around to deal with the police paperwork. Because he he literally steps over a dead body to get into the fridge and then leaves a bunch of change to a dead person to a dead clerk behind the counter. I don't I don't know if he knows that <laughs> like I don't know how humorous that is, or if that's just the grim reality of like the Mad Max world that Madrid is becoming. Yeah, so I guess it's only natural that this is kind of the end times and people don't even know it, but that if you heard that it was, you wouldn't even be surprised. Yeah, I think that's what everybody says every fucking 10 years, right? Like, everybody was saying that in 1999, everybody's saying that now, like, oh, the world is ending, can't you see it? It's just over the horizon. Even the non-religious people are finally saying it. That's very true. There has been a lot of, uh, we're in the shit. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's fire and brimstone, but it's like uh, volcano smoke and plastics in the water, that's what it microplastics, is. Microplastics, Yeah, it's gone from fire and brimstone to microplastics and forest fires. That's what we're dealing with. And that, that that really comes back in in the movie in the Day of the Beast the the sort of uh, hellfire surrounding everybody really comes back by the end of the movie and is surprisingly integral to the Antichrist story. But I was curious to get your thoughts on that because the characters discover the location of the Antichrist in the signature of Satan, uh, like they see it on a bunch of old contracts that he says are real that people have used to sign like i'm guessing like <laughs> the salem witch trial style stuff uh you know satan's signature has these two little claws in it and they also see the claws on the body of the kid that he exercised right that's okay sorry i, I had forgotten where else he saw it there was a kid on his television program who was possessed that he exercised that also has the same claw marks and like that's really satan's signature the two claws which they uh, decide represents a specific building in Madrid that you and I are very unfamiliar with. But, but is is parliament? spotlighted like it's a big deal building. Yeah, I think it's probably parliament, maybe. It looked like it was under construction, though. It did, yeah. Maybe it was just a new development or something. Anyway, they get there and are immediately beaten up by the group that has been hunting homeless people the whole movie. Yeah, and they were always kind of a deal, so I always felt a certain way about them, and then when it was revealed that they were the quote-unquote Satanists that were heralding this birth... Yeah, they, they seem like the... The horsemen of the apocalypse, in, yeah, in a sense. Yeah, or demons. Or... One, one of them is very definitely a demon. Like, the priest sees him in his true form, and he's a fucking, like, Baphomet goat-style dude mm -hmm. holding a baseball bat. Yeah, but I don't know how I feel about them. Yeah, because it, it kind of like a Raiders of the Lost Ark scenario, right? Where... They're going around killing homeless people this whole movie. Mm -hmm. When they when they arrive at the building, they hear a baby crying. A baby has just very recently been born. Under a cardboard box. Under a cardboard box. Both of his parents homeless. And then they they show up to kill the three of them. And they they do that. Like they they shoot the homeless people rather than setting them on fire. They end up setting uh Kavan on fire. So it seems like the priest and his buddies, similar to Indiana Jones just doing nothing could have hung out at home, not sold their souls to the devil, and had this taken care of. Yeah, like, is it just, a, like, one of those things that they didn't even know who the Antichrist was going to be, and because they kill homeless people, just, like, that's their deal, that's their way of creating chaos and, and violence and, and sin in the world, that they are their own undoing? 
I like I'm not quite sure or is it because they're trying to shoot Angel the priest and they miss and hit the Antichrist that's my thing is that I think maybe just by them being there it changed the scenario like they weren't supposed to kill this baby but they did mm-hmm. I, I it seems I, I don't know it seems a little opposite the rest of the movie that's the thing that's yeah. kind of always bothered me about it that it, it doesn't really feel like they helped stop the end of the world but the other problem you run into is that you have these characters who are very clearly your heroes that are working toward finding and stopping the devil from bringing the antichrist to the oh that, the, like the whole goal of the movie is to kill to a baby. kill a baby yeah that's the thing like you get like an hour into this movie and you're just like wait 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 how is this priest going to kill a baby and then also still be the guy we root for at the end of the movie they're like no no this is reverse jesus <laughs> yeah it's fine <laughs> Yeah, the the ending doesn't really land with me, and that might just be because I don't quite understand how the the guys that are murdering homeless people fit into the story. And maybe if I was more familiar with kind of the the biblical nature of it, it would click better. Or even like the prophecy of the Antichrist, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. If I had more of a like a standing knowledge of that, maybe it would make more sense. I think we're looking for connections that maybe aren't necessarily there would be my thing. Like, I don't think they're specifically the horsemen. It's, it is just weird that one of them is very clearly the devil. I like the idea that these serial killers more or less accidentally kill the Antichrist. Like, I think that's kind of a cool idea. I think by making one of them pure evil, like the devil is with them. Mm-hmm. Is kind of what tips it over into the oddball scenario. Do you agree that it doesn't feel as monumental as it should? Yes. I feel like the finale is a little lackluster for just how wild and zany leading up to it was. I expected more of a spectacle out of it. And the fact that it was just homeless people under this building and these guys that have been running around the whole movie end up being like, it's just like, oh, well, yeah. Okay. I, th- I think the like problem the you run into- Like the big conspiracy unravels a bit for me. I, I'm 100% with you on that. And again, I think the problem you run into is that- Because uh, I, my- I was about to say like, oh, what you need is like a ticking clock scenario where like we find a person who is pregnant and in labor and now we've got to get there before the baby's born kind of thing. It's like, but you still are showing up to kill a baby <laughs> or kill a woman who is in labor so the baby dies. Like all of that is bad. Um- but it, yeah, it does not feel like a big final showdown at the end of it. I guess you could go... It didn't necessarily have to be a killing a baby thing, though. It could have been a very traditional satanic ritual where they had kidnapped a pregnant woman and they were trying to bring the Antichrist soul into the that baby. Like, it could have been something like just stopping a ritual. I totally agree with you, but but I think... They were maybe holding themselves real hard to the idea, and this is one of my favorite things about the movie, that the the devil is constantly trying to make a mockery out of God and Jesus and that whole thing by... Reversing everything. Yeah, by mimicking <laughs> them, by doing a farce of it Yeah, all. like, I, you have priests, I have priests. Yeah. You have a Jesus, I have a Jesus. But even more than that, it's like, your Jesus was born humbly in a barn... I'm going to do basically the same version of that, but in 1995, it's homeless people living in a construction site. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's all great. I think that's all real smart and fun choices. Well, and based on what the priest says earlier in the movie, he says, like, it's going to be out in the open and right under our nose. And what better than homeless people who you completely, like, ignore? Yeah, you just walk past them. Yeah. 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 I think all of that's great. And it's, it's... 
makes for problems when you get to the end. Because, yeah, like, unfortunately, you do kind of need somebody to, like, stare the devil in the face and laugh at them or or spit in their eye or something. And, like, Jose gets to do that, but then dies and feels... He gets thrown off a building. I hate it. It's... No, I'm not happy about Justice it. Justice for Jose. Because he see, he could have, based on the rest of the how the, the movie unfolded, walked away with the rest of those dudes. And I dudes. feel like the devil should like Jose. He's very <laughs> of, loyal. Of the yeah, of the three of them, he's the one that's probably still gonna come back into the fold, you know, <laughs> before the end of his life. He was along for the ride for the shits and gigs, not for like saving the world. Yeah, he's like it's fucking heavy, man. I gotta. He can't say no. He's <laughs> he's like so on board with. It. He's like this sounds rad. I gotta do. This. I don't think he wants to stop the Antichrist. I think he just wants to see the devil, you know? And have some cool subversive friends. Yeah. As much as he would probably be, like, one of the worst friends you have, he seems like he'd be a great best friend. One of my favorite moments (laughs) is just when he's running around the background trying on all of Kavan's stupid masks. (laughs) Yeah, and breaking every single one of them. I just love it. I could watch that for at least an hour. He's such a dope. Yeah. (laughs) His mom's a lot of fun. One of my favorite shots of the movie is when uh, the priest is fighting his mom, who's just like, fuck it, I have a shotgun now. and oh, I'm she's <laughs> kicking his ass. <laughs> yeah. She is mopping the floor with him all across her, her hostel uh, where he's staying. The best shot of the whole movie. Two, two incredible shots in this movie are when she sort of smashes him out a window and we're like the, the floor oh, above just, looking oh, down. Oh, that's so good. Incredible. And then also the close-up shot of him looking for a person in the phone book and it's just like a finger right against the, the screen and we're just dragging our, our finger down through the through the phone book. Great shit. Love it. Yeah, there are a lot of just flashes of brilliance in the movie. Oh, yeah. Which is always great. When you're when you're watching something wild and zany, you do not expect amazing cinematography. Yeah. And when you get it, you're just like, I don't deserve this. It, but, and it, it feels in line with the zany nature as well, right? Like, it's it's kind of a cartoonish moment. And, uh, I, I, yeah, I love it when the camera work has its own character to it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this movie, you know, despite the ending not 100% working for me, I think it's kind a hell of, of a irrelevant lot of fun. Because yeah. the movie is so fucking fun. That's the thing, like, you completely look past it. Like, I felt the same way when I watched it the first time. I'm not surprised to hear you say it, and I'm also just like, who fucking cares? I had a blast. I love a movie about friendship, and it's a movie about friendship with the fucking devil. Like, Hell this, yeah. is, this is my fucking cake and eat it too movie. Right? Merry Christmas, <laughs> motherfuckers. <laughs> so, Kim, uh, what's, your, what's your rating of The Day of the Beast? Uh, I'm going to give it a three out of four. I'm also a three out of four, yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's a cool little off-the-beaten-path Christmas movie. Yeah, and you totally get Christmas vibes. We didn't really talk about it much, but it's definitely Christmas. There's a Christmas parade. There's the three wise men. They break into a girl's apartment. She thinks they're Santa Claus. You, te- they... you technically get, like, the, the North Star or whatever it is that's guiding them. It's just sort of uh, a, another piece of capitalist uh, art. <laughs> And you got and you got to admit a day for the antichrist to be born on Christmas is fucking perfect. Love it. Very smart. Especially in the 90s. Something about it. <laughs> it just feels right. <laughs> if not on if not uh, during the Y2K mid 90s in Madrid. But that's just our opinion. Let us know what you thought of The Day of the Beast over on Twitter at NOFS Podcast or in the Nightmare on Film Street Discord at nofspodcast.com/discord. And a very happy holidays from John and I at Nightmare on Film Street to you. Uh, We hope however you celebrate, whatever you celebrate, you're eating lots of food, you're drinking lots of whatever, and you're watching lots of horror movies. Hopefully Dave the Beast and Maniac Cop 2. But until next time, I'm John. I'm Kim. 
Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive, but we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.